Hi, and welcome to the Brothers F Bookcast. Today we are talking about a book, well, really a series of books that is dear to the heart of essentially every millennial. And that's the, uh, the Harry Potter series. And we're a group of millennials with the exception of, uh, of uh, Juan Pablo, right? You're, you're a Zoomer technically, aren't you? Or am I wrong about that? We have choice too. I don't know. Wait, so, me and Juan Carlos are on like the border where I think it's like, like um, people will tell me that like my age is the is the cutoff for when Zoomerism starts or Juan Carlos's okay. age or something, right? Well, you should, uh, you should play the, the Zoomer mantle because nobody hates Zoomers yet. Millennials have been the objects of derision for decades, but like Zoomers are, uh, so as far as I know, there's no Zoomer hatred. I think yet is the operative word there, Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, brother, the Zoomer podcast, you know. <laughs> All right. So let me, let, me take it, let me take it back. A book dear to the heart of uh, Zoomers and Millennials. There we go. A series dear to the heart of Zoomers and Millennials, Harry Potter. And we're, we're talking about the whole thing in one shebang because as much as I love it, I can't uh, – I don't think – we're not a Harry Potter podcast. I don't think people want seven episodes on Harry Potter. I don't know if I have it in me to, to take it up. I mean, people have done some serious work, work on Harry Potter. Over the years. I mean, it's insane. It's ridiculous. Um, so there's no way we could ever get to that depth, but we, we, we can talk about how much we have read and enjoyed them and what we've gotten out of them, I think. I think we could also talk about I, I, had, a, I had a question I wanted to open it up with. Um, before you guys wax poetic uh, about what it did for you in your childhood, but why <laughs> is Harry Potter good? Oh. I have an answer. I was just thinking about this question before we did this podcast. I think the biggest reason Harry Potter is good is the details. And, you know, people people with with better minds and worse hearts than me have picked apart Harry Potter to death. That's not what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in these little details that are like little gems, you know, that they, just, they, they bring a lot of joy to your heart. What's an example? Um, the uh, The... The hospital, St. Mungo's, you know, hospital for magical maladies or whatever it's called. Um, I don't know. When they visit the hospital, she just, she gets so much right. She see, you see the doctors and the different patients are all dealing with all these like strange magical ailments and, uh, and they're visiting the hospital and there's something very British about it. But of course, at the same time, there's so much that's, that's different. So I think she takes something that's in, in our world, obviously, and she just, you know, cast it in a different light, in the light of the of the, the sort of magic, and some of it's familiar, but some of it's new, and that's what makes it so delightful. Another good example: the Quidditch World Cup. You read the chapter in the Quidditch World Cup, you're going to get so many of these tiny details that are just that make it just a pure joy to read. I think that's that's sort of my favorite part of Harry Potter. Well, it is can a very you give, you give an example from the Quidditch World Cup. Like what what's a what's a detail that makes it such a joy? Sure. Like there's a, there's a tent with a, a contingent of American witches from Salem, you know? And so she just thought of a lot of things. She thinks about like the fanatics of, uh, of you know, from all the different nations uh, that are sort of being represented the same way soccer is a sport that really unites people. Uh, what are they called? The om- omnioculars? Omnioculars? Yeah, yeah. I it. think they're called omnioculars. And they're just like these really wonderful devices. And I remember when I was young and I read that for the first time, I thought for ages about the omnioculars. These are just these like magical binoculars that they could zoom in and they could see the game better. 
But I thought for so long about what I could do with a pair of those and how wonderful it would be to have them and how they might work and what some potential problems with them were. And, uh, you know, even like what magical spells they might have used to make them. And so she just gives you these little things that are really enough to sort of build up the world nicely in your head. Yeah. Those flesh things out very nicely. Yeah. One detail that I wanted to bring up earlier was I, I just remember this detail from like the first time I read Harry Potter is um, like she's talking about uh, them. And, the, and then she's like, after eating half a dozen bacon sandwiches, and I'm just like, that is just such a great detail. <laughs> I really want to eat a bacon sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beginning of book four. And they're going after the Quidditch World Cup, actually. And oh, really? Like, yeah. After half a dozen bacon sandwiches, e- half, half a dozen bacon sandwiches each, they're off. And I'm always like, whoa, pump the brakes there. Now I want a bacon sandwich. Yeah, anyone wants a bacon sandwich yeah. after reading that line, you know? Um, so, yeah. yeah. But for me also, I mean, those details are delightful, right? But it's just a good read, you know? Like, it's very carefully planned. It's a, it's a beautiful world. There's like a lot of really compelling details. It just, it's a good read, you know? So. Yeah, for sure. No, it's well plotted. It's well plotted. She writes well. I can't think of a single section of a single Harry Potter book that's plotting or slow. Uh, uh, You know, I don't think it ever really drags. And that's saying something. I mean, the fifth Harry Potter is what, 850 pages? Yeah. Oh, Um, she definitely like thought that was starting to push it. I mean, like up until book five, the numbers increase uh, pretty steadily. And after book five, she started breaking it back in. Mm Um. But I don't know, even, I mean, book five is full of a lot of, like, adolescent angst. But I reread it a couple of years ago, and I was like, actually, you know what? Once you grow up a bit, it's it's still fun to read. It's just a little different than the than the early books, you know? Interesting. Uh, so I, I have a different theory of why Harry Potter is good that's a little harder to articulate. So I'm going to try, and we'll see if it makes any sense to any of you. Okay. Um, Shoot. I think it gets to the heart of something like uh, of of the sort of malaise of living in a world without magic, right? So our not our ancestors, but our ancestors' ancestors, like not our grandparents, but our grandparents' grandparents, they lived in a much more enchanted world. And by the time J.K. Rowling is writing in the nineties, like a lot of that's been sucked out of the world. Hmm. So like what, what do you mean? Well, like, you know, people used to believe in like fairies or magic or angels. Oh, sure. And, sure, and they, sure. Don't, and they don't anymore. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's this, like, I mean, think about what Harry's life is like in the muggle world. Hmm. He's got like this, these like abusive, this abusive aunt and uncle and cousin who are awful to him. He lives in a cupboard. Right, it's sort of a cartoonishly awful would never actually happen, and he he sort of breaks through to this other world that is that is more real, right? Like there's so there's there's so many moments of transformation. Like he's, you know, when he gets the letter, when he crosses the portal at platform nine and three quarters, right? So you know, I think I think kids at some level they have like a longing in their hearts to live in that kind of world. And for, there's something about it that 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 fills that desire just perfectly, and it, it expresses, it's in my opinion, the psychological drama of wanting, they're just wanting something more from life. 
Okay. Psychological trauma is a, a harsh way of putting drama, it. Drama, oh, drama, 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 not trauma. trauma. I mean, I mean, maybe trauma too, but I, I like the the right, like there, there's just this this desire, like you know, people joke about wanting to get their letter from Hogwarts, but right, you know, right. I, like if your if your life trajectory is like go to high school, go to college, and then get a job at Deloitte, like, yeah. <laughs> and there's. And there's no whimsy or like, you know, like, the, you know, like all the little whimsy in the book. It's like, it's sort of like, it's in some ways, like, like Hogwarts is kind of the opposite of capitalism. That <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to expand on that, friend. <laughs> well, you know, everything there is, 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 isn't designed to be practical, right? It's designed to be beautiful or funny or quirky. It's, it's, it's not, you know. <laughs> it's and and they and you know none of the wizards like i mean do you hear about any wizards working for corporations like they either no. have, like they have, they all have government jobs or like they go on safari to capture magical beasts like there's no there's no like wizarding amazon or like there's no like no wizards vehicles or or they're you right. know. it's a very point like even the wizard aristocracy is like what are they doing you know (laughs) i think i think fran i think there's a lot to what you say and i think i would i would like to focus in particular on harry's time with the dursleys which is kind of a funny time because it always bookends like sort of the important action of each book right each book opens like you know book one opens and of course he's he's with the dursleys and he hasn't discovered anything but then book two after all this amazing stuff unfolds in harry's life and he knows who he is you know he's the boy who lived He's been marked by destiny. Uh, book two opens with him doing gardening for his aunt. And the sun is like baking down on his back and he hates it. And so you're so right. His existence with the Dursleys, not just his existence with them, but but the Dursleys' existence overall is incredibly mundane. I mean, what does Vernon Dursley do? He works at a drill company. Dudley is always watching television, even during meals. Petunia has like nothing to sort of brighten up her existence. They're always just sort of arguing about the neighbors who are using water to water their lawn at night, even though there's a drought and they're not supposed to do that. Um, you know, uh, the, the great the great sort of Dursley drama is where whether or not Dudley will get into Vernon's, you know, posh school. So, so I think there's a lot to what you say. It is a really sort of pretty bleak existence in the Muggle world. You know, if yeah, I can add to that. It's not, it's, not, it's not lost on me that he works for a drill company in the business world. Who like does any does any do any of the wizards have an equivalent job? No. Like you know you know no. the reality of adult life is many people have to take these soul desiccating jobs just to make it through life, and no one in the magical world seems to have to do that, with the possible exception of house elves. Yeah, even even the Weasleys who are kind of poor, you know the the father Arthur Weasley he kind of likes his job. You know he works in the what is it, the office for the misuse of muggle artifacts? Yeah. And he has sort of these pet projects that keep him excited. And so even though they don't have much, they still have, they still, yeah, you're right. They have sort of a charmed, I mean, they have a magical, magical life. I suppose part of the charm is that it never doesn't actually make sense if you really poke at it, right? Like, because if it did really make sense, then it would sort of just become another mundane, you know, like adult thing. But if you think about it, like the magic doesn't make sense. The way people do magic doesn't make sense. The way people teach magic makes no sense. And it's just like, oh, you know, like 
Voldemort's coming at me. Let me turn this rat into a goblet. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's a spelly eye mist. Right? It's like it's like there's this there's this which they what they learn in school, and then there's this like completely unexplained gap to Dumbledore casting like dragons of fire in the sky or something right right like, right right this is you know you're right i think it's true if you look too hard it, it starts to start to break and that might be that might be part of the charm um but i think i think i mean the books are are very well plotted that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah. so i think this is there's kind of a tension in harry potter for me between this very serious story that you wanted to write about you know fate and human freedom in the face of, you know, your destiny. I think that's a big theme. And, you know, obviously death and running away from death and accepting death and, and sacrifice. Love. And love. love as Dumbledore, Dumbledore would say, love. On that note of running away from death, uh, Voldemort, uh, like thief of death, right? Or like Voldemort, you death. could say, yeah, flight from flight death. Flight from or... death. Uh, flight from death. Anyways, just like cool little thing right so and i think like the whole plot with snape i think is pretty is pretty amazing i mean i still remember the first time that i read that i was i was totally stunned and i thought it was like so in that sense the book is like really rich and deep but in another sense you're right like hogwarts doesn't really work there are like a lot of details that change as the books evolve and they get more serious but i do think that's part of its charm yeah i think so too right she definitely committed to a lot of silliness in the first book that she's sort of like Try to, to tone back. down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. some of it we you just get used to, right? Like, the word Hogwarts is no longer a weird word for me, right? It's just like, oh, Hogwarts, right? As though it was like, you know, Edinburgh. <laughs> but like, if you think it's like Hogwarts, right? Yeah, Where yeah, people yeah. go and they learn magic, and they people the goblins will speak gobbledygook, and there's all these like little details <laughs> she threw in the first, first book to make it just super whimsical, and like, no, she still had stuff later on in the in the in the, in the books thereafter, but. The she she definitely took it back a couple. They times. definitely got more serious as they went on. That's yeah, like for something sure. you yeah. can. Imagine. I mean, the classic thing here is that sort of people aged with Harry Potter, you know, so they were yeah. young and they were reading the books that were appropriate for an eleven to twelve, thirteen year old, and then mm-hmm. they Better got older, you get older and they were reading serious teenage books, which is pretty ingenious on her part. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. Although I, I don't know, I like. Let's see, I started reading them when most of them had already been written. I do remember the the joy of going to the opening night for book seven. That yeah. was a very special day. Uh, and of course, we got like three books for the house or something, and I didn't get first on line somehow. Uh, so we went on, we, I remember going on a hike, and Monica spoiled one of the dramatic details about it. Um, so I didn't really grow up with it, but they were a huge part of, of my life growing up, at least, because I, I read Reread all of them multiple times, you know. Oh yeah, especially my favorite number six. I read like you know six or seven times alone. Six was your favorite. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with six. You don't like six. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of like the earlier ones more lighthearted. I, I mean, know. still I, super I found, lighthearted. But I reread like... them a couple years ago. I found that I enjoy five a lot more once I just uh, once I once I passed adolescence. You know, mm. before it's like, why is he such a whiner? This is the worst. <laughs> Like, I don't know, you get a little older, you start to pre- appreciate like, oh, like the weird tangents about like the the Society for the Protection of Elvish Welfare, right? Actually is a pretty interesting and nice, uh, even though Hermione is being like, you know, kind of annoying about it. Um, yeah. So you appreciate different things as you grow up. Well, you know, I, I have to say, I haven't reread any of the la- later books as an adult. I'm just working through them again, reading them to my son. 
Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Is he enjoying and them? It, yeah, he's, he's, he can only take them in small doses right now, but he is enjoying them. Um, and that is, a, that is a wonderful way to re-experience the books, in my opinion. I had a history professor, you know, so this is a woman who's, like, written many books and who has read, like, everything, as far as I'm concerned, you know, in her field, at least. And she, she put forward Harry Potter as her favorite, her favorite set of books in, in some sense. But she, similarly, she had read them to her daughter, and she just got really hooked. She thought they were, she thought they were very special. Um, you might, uh, I would say, for your son, you might maybe hold off on, like, the Goblet of Fire, for example. <laughs> I think it gets a little heavy. It does get a little heavy. But I don't know, Fran, is there anything else? This is interesting. You, you, you read these books a lot. You read these books a lot. Um when you were younger and now you're returning to them after many years away. So is there anything that's really striking you about the, about the reread? That's a good question. Um, in the reread, so I have only having gotten through uh, a chunk of the first book and having read a little bit of the chamber of secrets on my own, I, <laughs> they're, they're, uh, I think they're like they're they're like actually detective stories. Like Harry Potter mm. isn't a detective, but they do right, kind like, of follow that path. Uh, yeah, not to be reductive about it, but I, I mean, I didn't notice that when I was a kid. But they, they like it's like who's the bad guy? Is it Snape? Is it Quirrell? It sure looks like it's Snape. Oh, surprise! It's Quirrell, right? Like the, you know, and and I think like I think. <laughs> runs that model too if i recall right like moody isn't really moody and he seems to be helping harry but he's actually the bad guy who's behind the crime and and, and, you're right but i you know i was gonna say the other thing that that i noticed about the books is like you know in hindsight there was there was a lot of drama when the books were being written uh about who she was gonna kill off because she she admitted that she was going to kill off a major character in book six, and people were wondering, is it going to be Ron? Is it going to be Hermione? And it, it should have been so obvious that it was Dumbledore, because Dumbledore, sort of as beloved and charming as he is, he ruins the drama of every book. Because it's I feel like every book is saved by Dumbledore ex machina, right? Like Dumbledore swoops in and the at the end it fixes everything. So like he it had to die. Problem. Yeah, no, you're right. It is a bit of a problem. I mean, so we've been rewatching some of the movies, which is kind of an interesting angle. And maybe we don't want to get too much into the movies here, since that's a whole. I mean, we can just we can discuss them later. A little oh, bit, and, 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 but it's, it's, it's okay. Well, what do I, I think, think about the movies in general? No, some of them are good. I think here's my theory about the movies. They set up this amazing thing. Uh, really, on like the most fundamental level, all the movies are a very rich meme. You can just you can get so much out of each one, and I think they work on two different levels. When the movies are really bad, and often they are, the acting is abysmal, and <laughs> and you know they're all like two and a half hours, and uh, and they're they're yeah they're pretty cheesy sometimes. But when they're bad, I enjoy them, and when they're good, I enjoy them. So you know whoever put this movie together is a genius, right? Because because they they uh it's it's a win win for the people who made the movies. But anyway, I was gonna say about your point that Dumbledore is a problem, Fran. Um, Dumbledore is a problem, and it's actually it 
it gets to some pretty deep questions I have about Harry Potter, to be honest, about the role of providence in Harry Potter, honestly. Dumbledore is a kind of god in the in the books. It seems like obviously he's an actor, but he's he's sort of above the action in a sense. And what we noticed, Fran, about the second was he so he's removed as the head of school. I think this is yeah, this is the second. He's removed as the head of school, but he sort of knows that that um as he's being removed, he knows that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are in the room and they're listening. And he says, Oh no, it's just Harry and Ron, sorry. And he, and he says something to the effect of like Help will always be here at Hogwarts for those who, you know, those who wish it or something. And he looks directly at them, even though they're <laughs> under the invisibility cloak. So like, okay, <clears throat> excuse me. First off, that's weird. But then second off, um, it seems like a lot of the action that happens, Dumbledore is just sort of planning it as a way for Harry to grow. <laughs> like when you watch the third one. That was absurd, yeah. The third one is nuts, Fran, because... Um, I don't know how much you remember, but, you know, there's this guy, Sirius Black, Harry's godfather. Everyone thinks he's a mass murderer. Yeah, he's a good man, and uh, he needs to be saved. And Harry and Hermione, they fail to save him, and he's going to sort of – he's going to suffer the Dementor's Kiss, which is a fate worse than death. And uh, the real man is guilty for the murder of Harry's parents, Peter Pettigrew. He gets away scot-free, and he's going to help Voldemort come back. He's armored as a hero. It's like Everything's a disaster. And Dumbledore sees Harry and Hermione and he says, ah, he makes some extremely cryptic comments along the lines of some very judicious use of, uh, you know, an object. Oh, it's, like, it's like, it seems like what we need is some more time. And he's, and he's just like, <laughs> Hermione. he winks at them and he says, I think three turns should do it. <laughs> no more directions, no more advice. So then you think you're, Harry and Hermione, they're, getting, they're risking their lives out there. They're almost bitten by a werewolf. Harry almost suffers the Dementor's kiss. Sirius almost suffers the Dementor's kiss. And you're like, is this all a game for Dumbledore? <laughs> <laughs> it, it sure looks like it. <laughs> so, so that's, I think, a weird and kind of unresolved part yeah. of the book for me. Like the amount of confidence he shows is totally disproportionate with the amount of confidence he should have had as to how well this they could pull this off. Yeah, like they interpreted his very cryptic directions exactly in the correct way <laughs> and then sort of made a series of really like serendipitous decisions so that everything just sort of barely worked out right. So that makes the whole book, like that makes the whole story in book three feel like a bit of a joke, honestly. And I don't know how, I mean, how Dumbledore plays it. It was there. actually, that's probably one of my favorite ones. I don't know. I just, I like it for some reason. Yeah. But I've, I've never picked up on that until you brought up that point. And now that I think about it, it really is just kind of a, his game. So it's Dumbledore's oh. world. We're all living in it. Well, no, but she addresses that in later books. Like, she puts him in positions where he makes mistakes, right? And he makes calls and he confesses that he's kind of iffy about them. So maybe she realized that and started to pull back from it, you know? Yeah, he definitely gets weaker as time goes on. They they needed to kill him, right? Because, like, you can't can't have Harry go out to the woods to confront Voldemort and have Dumbledore just hanging back and being like, you know, good luck, kid. Like, like, you know... He's watching from his office. (laughs) Like, Um, it's not his watch. It's like, oh, he's behind schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it is a bit of a problem. It's true. She kills him. But I think it's worth noting, friend, that he ends up dying. The circumstances of his death in the book are actually due to his own mistake. Um, Right? So he has the resurrection stone. There's this ring, which is a horcrux. And uh, he tries to put it on because he suffers this tremendous remorse from a huge mistake that he made when he was younger. He tries to put it on, and that means, and he's cursed as a result. And uh, and you know, after the series of mistakes that he makes, 
uh, it's clear to him that he only has like a year left or less. And so he talks to Snape about this. And once this becomes clear, then Dumbledore commits no, to I, I remember. I remember he arranges for Snape to be his killer. To, so he right, can build right. her ability to be a better double agent. Yeah. Yeah, so Dumbledore's a problem. It's a good thing she killed him off. You're right. What was the last time y'all read a, y'all read a Harry Potter book? It's been like three-ish years, if I had to imagine. If I had to guess. Probably more than that for me. Probably like eight years if I had to guess, which is pretty sad. But yet there are some of them that I reread so many times that I can remember like where certain words fell on the page. I remember Harry's first word in the books. He says nearly when Aunt Petunia asks him uh, if he's up yet. I thought that was kind of a nice wow. moment. That's freakish. <laughs> it's incredible. And it's weird. Like, when I, when I, when I, when I really peaked, I was remembering chapter titles. I was even remembering the little drawings that they used at the beginning of the chapter. Oh That's ridiculous. Uh, the well, dialogue. We just, like, I mean, th- so often in my childhood, I would go to the bookshop and be like, mm, what should I read? I think I should read some Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. They made that decision time and time again. Yeah, right? I mean, it speaks to how good the books are, right? They're just fun. Well, is, it, is there anything cozier than a Harry Potter book? It's like being like snuggled in a blanket whilst drinking hot chocolate on a snowy day. It's like, no, but right. I think one of the one of the most amazing things about them is that they can be enjoyed on many levels, right? So like there's a superficial level of, oh, this is really fun to read. Like, oh, this is a fun world to explore, to think about. It's an exciting story. That's and what it is. There's the me. deeper levels of, oh wow, like I can see the story coming together. It's fun to think about how these these characters are like really complicated figures of their own right. And it's not just sort of like a, like a very once off, like black and white thing. Right. And you can keep it going like a little bit deeper and deeper and really thinking about things. And like, I think like a lot of things in art are beautiful when they're like that, when they have a sort of like fractal deeper, deeper quality to them, or like at first glance, it's fun. And then you think about it more and it's still fun. You think about it at a deeper level, it's still fun. Right. And Harry Potter does that well which is something you can only do if you spend a lot of time and think very carefully about all the sort of structures you're setting up. So she pulled that off in a way that not a lot of people do, right? You know, often it'll be like, oh, this is, I mean, it's not like, it's not like there's, 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 there's plenty of examples of, of art that does this well of any kind. Um, But it's definitely a hard thing to do. Well, can you think of other writer whose work has been turned into a theme park no you're right i really can't you but know when I, when I was a, a child I, I i sometimes i would imagine heaven as a, as a world in which you could enter many different possible worlds and you could be and do many things with the benefit of amnesia and one of the fantasies that i'd had is when you get to heaven you'd have the opportunity to enter the Harry Potter world and be a student at Hogwarts. Like not even Harry, like n- not even anyone important, like just to go to Hogwarts. <laughs> that is one of the biggest cruelties of the book that all the students are like, oh no, I have to go to potions class. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Ernie McMillian. I would want to be Ernie McMillian in Hufflepuff. I used, to, I used to have the exact same dream friend. That's so funny. I used to imagine being in Lord of the Rings, and I wondered if, even though this was heaven, I would still be allowed to kill orcs. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I even used to think, what if I got to go to Helm's Deep? I'm not making this up. I was six or seven years old. What if I got to go to Helm's Deep, and I was sort of up on the ramparts, but I was allowed to bring a machine gun? 
<laughs> I, have, I have also had thought. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's that. But maybe to the return name. to Harry Potter, here's like kind of a, a big theme, and I want to put this out there. So we may, we, maybe we can talk about the books uh, on a on a deeper level. Uh, a big theme in Harry Potter. I mean, this is not super original here. Is death. Wow. And well, I think nice one, right? So, so Voldemort, <laughs> Voldemort, you know, is running away from death. He's afraid. Wait, wait, wait! Watch, watch I, I've got another big theme for Harry Potter. I think it ties in here. I think another really important theme is magic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, slow down there, fam. Sure yeah. Well, I was going to elaborate a little bit more. Okay, I was going to say, I was going um, to say, the phoenix is a central symbol in Harry Potter. Why? <laughs> Because it dies and then it's reborn from the ashes. <laughs> Dumbledore notices this and he appreciates this. And and Harry comes in. This is actually one of my one of my favorite moments in uh in in the whole seven all seven books, actually. Mm-hmm. Harry comes in after the Chamber of Secrets secrets, and as Dumbledore sternly says, You've broken about fifty school rules. <laughs> and it's like, why is there ever any doubt as to like the fact that Harry's gonna be rewarded for saving this yeah. person's life and destroying a horcrux? But bracketing that. Harry comes in, and it's really it's really funny in the books and in the movie. Sorry, this is before the Chamber of Secrets, but uh, but Harry comes in, and uh, Fox bursts into flames, and then uh, and then Dumbledore walks down, and Harry's like, oh, "Professor, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so sorry." <laughs> he's, like, he's like, "This is really the last thing he needed." You know? because people think it was, like, it was right after he got framed for like like zapping someone with his Chamber of Secret ray or something, right? <laughs> like he stumbles upon like two petrified bodies after everybody already thinks he's the dark, and then Lord. he just stays there for thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, "Oh no, who's gonna do something about this?" And everybody shows up. They're like. Harry, this is obviously you. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, though, is, like, in the movies, it's, like, they don't even, like, stop. It's just, like, everyone in, like, in the entire yeah, school just shows up in the same, yeah. in the same corridor. Yeah, well, Carlos, like, I love this part, too. He just goes to the old office because he's going to get, like, you know, disciplined or questioned. And then the Phoenix dies, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah. sort of, whatever. So the Phoenix, the Phoenix, you know, it understands death the right way. Um, but then the next time he's in Dumbledore's office is actually also a pretty key moment when uh, he's like, you know, Professor, I'm a parcel tongue. And Monica actually had a great point last time we were watching we were watching the movies. So Dumbledore's talking to Harry and Dumbledore's explaining how, you know, when Voldemort gave Harry that scar, he put some of himself into into Harry. You know, he he actually he gave him some of his abilities. This is why Harry can speak parcel tongue. And uh, what Dumbledore doesn't say at the time, but what Monica puts so well is, is the following. The truth is, Harry, I'm raising you like a pig for slaughter. Dumbledore <laughs> 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 will never die until you're dead. <laughs> but of course, Dumbledore doesn't say that. Yeah. Uh, since that would be sort of a lot to put on his plate. They're pretty gauche. But instead what he says, instead what he says is, uh, you know, this key thing, which is, again, not super original, but I think it is, it is an important uh, part of the book, which is that... It's our choices that define us, Harry, much more than our abilities. And so I think that's that's another big theme in the book is uh, the tension between human freedom and fate. You could, she could never have done this, but I think the books would have been better if Harry had actually stayed dead. 
I think yeah. that would have been pretty cool. It would have taken some serious guts to do that. It would have also stopped them from making any more money off of future books. Like, what was that one? The, the Cursed Child. Yeah. Or <laughs> like, I heard that one was terrible. Yeah, let's not even get into that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think that would have been nice for him because it would have... I mean, it's sort of a weak argument to make like look death's not so bad because you come back to life (laughs) that's not you're not saying much there i think it'd be much stronger to say death's not so bad because you go as dumbledore simply says on harry asks him you know if i get on that train where do i go and dumbledore says on and i think that's a really nice moment and so she did make that point right i guess she did i guess she she chickened out and was like oh well we need the happy ending so he has to come back my point is that dying is not so hard can can i raise another beef with Harry Potter, sure, he should never have married Ginny Weasley. Oh, it's horrible! Yeah. The whole epilogue. Gross. It's just it's the just best ending. Bride, you know what it is? It's a bride's head revisited situation, but with a poor family. Could you explain that? Well, it's, it's you uh, know Harry's close friends with Ron, and then really it was all about the sister all along. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Brides ever visited? Like, what is like? I've never read. Brides ever visited is about a friendship between two men, possibly a uh, homosexual relationship. But then eventually one of the friends starts dating the other guy's sister. Oh, okay. And that's sort of like, I would say that's maybe more central to the book. You're right, no, friend. I think the whole epilogue, really, the epilogue is done. Here's, here's another, actually, here's another very, very, I mean, maybe top five moment in Harry Potter for me is the very last paragraph when Harry says, so Ron is looking kind of wistfully at the elder wand and Harry's like, I don't want it. I prefer my old wand. And Ron's like, but it would be so great. And Harry's like, it's more trouble than it's worth. And honestly, said Harry, thinking you know, longingly of his bed upstairs in his dormitory and possibly the sandwich that creature might make for him. Uh, I've had enough trouble for a lifetime. End of book. Just end it there. But then she has the epilogue, which I think is, <laughs> is just like, like horribly cringy and so, so little kitty. You know, that's exactly the epilogue that like an 11, 12, 13 year old rooting for all these romances. It's like a fanfic, together. right? It is a fanfic. Like, these, these are things that didn't need to be said and the, saying them kind of ruins them. Yeah, right? exactly. It would have been really nice to end it with I've had enough trouble for a lifetime. I think that's that's sort of that's as good as it gets. But you couldn't resist. Oh, no, I mean, I know what she had to do. That you want to know what happens, but um, oh, you know what? You have to know Come what on. happens, right? If she'd done that, everybody would. But you want to? You, no. you yeah, want yeah. to? That, that impulse shouldn't always be entertained, Wumpy. True. Um, this is actually you maybe a fun conversation. Like a scourging of the Shire style, like finish to Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a hot take. Like, the book should have ended with like a confrontation with the Dursleys or something. I don't know. You know. <laughs> going back to like little little wearing little winging. That's it. And like the Death Eaters have just destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, Dursley, no, Dudley. <laughs> I think I think that's uh that's a little much. I actually think the softening of relations between Dudley and Harry is sort of a nice angle. Yeah, that is nice. Just, I, I agree. But anyway, let's talk about other beefs we have with Harry Potter. I think that's a fun conversation to have. <laughs> fun <laughs> putting it out there. Yeah, fun beefs. Gosh, I mean, I don't know. Is what? it beefs? I don't know. Beefs. 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 Yeah, beefs. <laughs> um. Okay, friend. One of your beefs is the epilogue. Beefs. Um. I'll say one of my beefs is well, actually i said earlier that none of the none of the books drags i uh no section of the books drags that's not true for me i actually think the middle of seven drags when they're just in a tent in the woods it's uh it's pretty oppressive and i think you could have probably cut 50 to 100 pages out of book seven and no one would have been the worst for wear so that's a beef i have i'm lodging that beef formally 
Okay. Like you, your beef will be taken into account. Yeah. Will be I, guess I never really worried about that because seven was never my favorite, right? Seven's not great. Like, seven's at not the good. point where I was peak rereading Harry Potter, it was never a seven that I was going Yeah, to the point is not seven. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. What would it be for you? Four, I think for me, like two, three. I re- again, I really like four, six five, six, I think get, five became my favorite later on, but four, I don't five, know what it would six, be now. Seven get really dark, like really fast. If yeah. I had to choose, I would say five and six, followed by one, two, three, and then four. I don't like four, and then seven. I really yeah. don't like four. Four is not. My favorite at all. Here's here's some here's an interesting thing to talk about. Is what do you guys think of Snape? You think he is who? Snape. I guess multiple multiple angles to take here. But is he good or is he bad? Is he likable or unlikable? Good, likable at the end of book seven. I love Snape. What's next? I think Snape is such a well written character. In in the movies, in the movies, in the movies, there's a scene (laughs) in uh, movie number five. No, no, I'm going to take this one. Sorry, Hornchill. I, I know you want to say the exact same thing I'm thinking right now, but I want to say it. And so basically... Um, How do we act it out, okay? Right? Umbridge. I will be Dolores Umbridge, okay? Um, <laughs> I will be Snape. you've applied for the post of Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher multiple times. Yes. But you are unsuccessful? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a lot of mileage out of that. Well, oh, Snape, Snape is great in the movies. They picked a great actor. Ah, it took him like three three yeah, seconds to say the word obvious. Three hundred and ninety-four. You know? <laughs> yeah. No. So Snape. I think. I think Snape is an awesome character. I think he's super well written. I think he's super compelling in the books. He's. He's like one of the few examples of good acting in the movie. That actually <laughs> There's a lot of bad acting in the movie. Yeah. Um, so that's what I make of, uh, of Snape. This brings me to another beef, though. One of the beefs, one of the serious beefs I have is with James Potter. I mean, Harry discovers, and this is actually something she raises and she doesn't really tie it up. In the sixth book, I guess, when he's, or no, the fifth book, when he's practicing occlumency with, with Snape. Harry discovers that his father was a huge jerk. I mean, his father was the most popular kid at Hogwarts, and he was picking on this guy who was poor, who came from a bad family, who had no parents. That was Snape. And he was picking on him, and he was, uh, you know, really abusing him, even physically, in front of other people, just for laughs. And uh, Harry Harry sees this and he's like, honestly, if I saw that, I would side with Snape. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, you're right. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. No idea. I'd, go, I'd go to counseling sessions with Snape. <laughs> and, and, and Harry is the spitting image of his father, except his eyes. He has his mother's eyes. Um, but uh, but that's not resolved at all. I mean, Harry, that comes up. Harry's really troubled by it. He reaches out to Lupin, to Sirius, two of his father's close friends, to figure it out. And Sirius essentially tells him, yeah, but, you know, he's sort of matured over the years. So. <laughs> or even worse, isn't there a point where he's like, yeah, but Snape kind of deserved it or something? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but actually, like, Snape is an immensely sympathetic character, right? He just, his whole life is about loving this one woman who uh, who ends up marrying the, like, monster who tortured him for years. <laughs> so it's, uh, no, it's really know, tough. That's also know, for, like, you know, for years, for decades. You know? No, I think that, I mean, when you really love someone, I think Snape's a great character. Character That brings me to another really beautiful moment in the books. When Snape is dying, Voldemort has killed him because he's sort of served his purpose. Harry sees him and he gets his thoughts from him so he can sort of figure out the whole plan. And as Snape is dying, he says, like, take take it. You know, he's like giving him his, you know, weird brain, silvery stuff. <laughs> and uh, And it says, green eyes met black. 
And then, you know, Snape was gone. And so I think that's nice because those are Lily's eyes, right? And so those were the eyes that Snape loved so much. So it's nice that that's sort of the last moment in his life. That's really sad. Actually, you're, you're starting to make me really sad. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's really, she did that super well. So that's really, I mean, I tip my cap. Uh, that's also an amazing chapter when all of that unfolds and Harry is just sucked into this and he's getting these things from Snape's childhood, all these memories that he can't figure out. And then all of a sudden it's starting to come together and he's figuring out, oh, Dumbledore messed up in a serious way. Oh, Snape killed Dumbledore. Oh, I have to die. And that's that's uh, crazy. And actually, Snape, to his credit, when Dumbledore explains that uh, that he's going to sacrifice Harry in this way, Snape's like, that's what the, that's what the whole point was all these years. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore's like, yeah, I didn't think he was ready to hear when he was too young. <laughs> and Snape was really hurt by this. And that's another very moving moment. Um, and uh, and Dumbledore doesn't, doesn't understand. Oh, I didn't think you liked the boy. And Snape casts a Patronus charm. And it's the doe, which was Lily's Patronus. And Dumbledore says, after all these years. And Snape says, always. And that's the end of the scene. So that's also, that's also really gets you. So I think Snape is an amazing character. If you can't tell, that's actually, I'm glad we talked about that. That's probably my favorite part of Harry Potter. Wow. All right, guys, uh, real quick, uh, which house would you be in and why? Like if we actually got to choose or if we had to. No, no, I mean, no, 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 Takes your choices into account, Humpy. No, 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 no. What would happen if you put the sorting cap on? Well, so wait, let's let's to, sort to, out the to houses. To really get this, we would have to sort each other. I feel because sorting yourself doesn't really work. Yeah, but let, you know? let's, well, let's let's get the let's houses. Let's sort ourselves quickly, and then let's sort each other. But let's okay. let's say the houses. Let's say the houses. Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, yeah, I know. But let's say what they are. No, Gryffindor is like great. People know. No, that, I know people know. But like, we should refresh ourselves. No, we know. We know. Okay. Okay. Fine. Let's go through. Gryffindor. Bravery. The preppy smarties. Slytherin. Evil. The preppy evil kids. Hufflepuff. The lame people, <laughs> Ravenclaw, the, the smart people. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna say Hufflepuff miscellaneous. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, <laughs> I would, I would, I think I would, I would hope Hufflepuff is what, friend? Hufflepuff is not miscellaneous. It's, it's, it's a guy. What's it's up? like, uh, it's not miscellaneous. It's not Hufflepuff has got like a bumbling vibe. It's sort of like nice and try hard, but sort of like harmless. Yeah, it's no, bumbling. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I met a guy once who who he was going to law school, and his law school sorted people into four houses. And of course, the w- once they got sorted into four houses, they sort of decided which house was which, you know. <laughs> so he's like, "We are widely accepted to be the Hufflepuff." Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but he was like, "But actually, it means I have a lot more respect for Hufflepuff now because, like, while all the other kids in school are doing stupid things, like the Slytherins are being racist." The Gryffindors are just never working and doing like brave things. The Hufflepuffs, what is it? The, the Ravenclaws are just eating books all days. Intellectual. The Hufflepuffs are just like, like down to earth, doing a normal job. Chill day people. Day. They're just living their lives, and they don't need to be center of attention. It's like that is an admirable quality. Yeah, the Hufflepuff is a job. chugger. I think it's just someone who's plugging away. It's uh, it's not really a striver. I would say a Slytherin is more of a striver, but Hufflepuff is just you know humble daily bread. Put in your hours, and uh, and at the end of the day, you hang up your wand and uh, you call go it plant place. some uh, <laughs> some some herbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that is actually kind of a problem. You know, Snape potions very mysterious. He's the head of Slytherin. Flitwick charms very difficult. Brainy. He's the head of Ravenclaw. You know, McGonagall, very impressive woman. She's the head of Gryffindor. 
and then Hufflepuff gets Professor Sprout. I mean, I think, I think I'm going to go ahead and say, looking back on it, she might have overdone it a little bit. And then in book four, she's like, you know, Cedric, people in Hufflepuff love Cedric. He was like, he was their only chance at glory. That's <laughs> too strong. She overdid yeah, it. She overdid it. A little bit. Anyway, I'm going to say, I think I'd be Ravenclaw. I, I, I want Ravenclaw, and I and I think I would be Ravenclaw. And I, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I just think that's that's who I am. I've always thought the same for myself, actually. I just okay. I just feel like, yeah. Quampy, I think you're a Gryffindor. Really? I was going to say that. I, I don't want to take the controversial take of calling myself a, Gryff, of a Gryffindor. It's not that controversial. I mean, I mean it's not I controversial. You, I could you're low a Gryffindor, you know, like more on than, than intelligence. Low you know what, Andrew? You know what, Andrew? You can go just... Go with your books, uh, okay? No, let's, let's, let's flesh this out, you know? Like, you low on substance, high on heart. Yeah, okay, you know what? Get out of here. A lot of, lot of conversation, a lot of talk. Like the center of attention. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You have a good heart. That's why you're in Gryffindor. Yeah. Thank you. I, I truly mean that. I could see you being a Gryffindor. Fran, right. I think you could be a Hufflepuff. <laughs> you're a hard worker. <laughs> I'm a Hufflepuff. I don't want to be a Hufflepuff, but I clearly am. No, Fran, you're... No, Fran, no, you're, you're, you're after doing this podcast. Too. I my uh, I'm 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 consistently, you know, taken aback by the by the quality of your contribution. So I think I think I think you're I think you're solidly. I think Raven we're we're somewhat of a Ravenclaw family. We are kind of a Ravenclaw family. Well, for better for worse. Sheep. Remember, the I, Gryffindor I, Gryffindor has Ron as well as Harry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I should tell you something are we about doing this. Are we doing this? Sure, we're doing this. Lavender Brown, <laughs> Seamus. I mean, there's a lot of weak Gryffindors. Yeah. No, there's like, there's, a, there's just blustery, right? And that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I know. There's blustery. Like, there's blustery. You yeah. know what? You, did you just call me a blustery person? Yeah, oh. yeah I mean, relatively. No. I am offended by you guys. Yeah. You know what? I'm just gonna let you guys know that Gryffindor is a better house than Ravenclaw will ever Ouch. be. So you guys can okay, just go well, with anyway, your. We haven't actually been sorted, Quimpy. So. <laughs> <laughs> let me explain to you why the movies are bad. It is an outsourcing of the imagination. You can you can, yeah, you, can yeah. you imagine Harry Potter as not being Daniel Radcliffe now? Yeah, it's a total. It's it's totally antithetical to the spirit of the book. Uh, it's it's you know not in its content, but just like the very existence of a movie in some on some levels antithetical to the spirit of the book. I, 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 look, I don't um, blame. Like, I would have made the movie too. Like I, yeah, I, I, I too also wanted the would have wanted the extra seven hundred million dollars, but but it's probably well north of that. I, um, I wouldn't say no, right? Yeah, um, yeah. but uh, but that's for that's a funny. It's bad. It's bad. It's it's in general like everyone. Everyone should have their own mental image of Harry Potter, and you know Daniel Radcliffe. Like, yeah, he was well cast. Like, he looks the part, but it it, it is it my it is it is a shame the the degree to which my imagination has been colonized by the films. Yeah, yeah, part of, part Andrew, of the Andrew, problem. Andrew also told us something that I thought was pretty striking. Daniel Radcliffe is on record. You can look this up as saying he didn't think about how he acted until the third movie. Like <laughs> he never <laughs> once thought, like, "Oh, is that good acting or bad acting?" He just people told him like, "Be sad," and he was sad. <laughs> and, and maybe that's good. I don't know. But he was a kid. He was so young. He was young. Like, yeah, like, I was, I was this a, kid had never. And he was like the nephew of one of the producers or something. I don't know how it really, works. Wow. Or maybe the son, right? 
and they he looked the part and he was like co- like eloquent enough in conversation so they just put him out there it's like well of course he doesn't act well he gets you know? he gets yeah he's a kid i mean part of the problem was these movies start out when people are young and so they had to get young kids and young kids actors just aren't gonna be the best actors and they there. had to commit in ways which which were tough right like they made a lot of calls which like, like i don't know like run. devil they picked this like really dumpy looking kid he actually grew up and he became this like strapping dude. He's like super attractive, right? It's like that's actually not what they were going for with Neville, right? Yeah. Or like Ron, great, he has red hair. Let's take him. Yeah, um, I thought Ron was decently well cast, you know. Yeah, uh, he's decent early on. The really funny thing, friend, you gotta watch the movies. You gotta watch the early movies and keep an eye out for this because once you start seeing it, you just <laughs> you never stop seeing it. Hermione in the movies and not so much in the books. I guess <laughs> It's, it's the tone that really gets in the movie. The wait, wait, wait one movie. second. Wait one second. Yeah. This we we were all watching this movie together, and we all picked up on this. Once you start seeing it, once you start seeing it, you can't not see it. Is that um, Hermione throughout the movies just <laughs> ruthlessly gaslights and like <laughs> otherwise like destroys Harry from the DNA app? So she keeps saying things that are just really. Like, Really horrible things to say, and in the most subtle way possible. So it's just like, 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 like she often has like a pretty sort of know-it-all tone of voice. So what's an example? You know, second second book or second movie. Uh, Harry, you know, he's running through the halls. He's trying to chase the basilisk. He can hear the basilisk uh, speaking parcel tongue, and it's moving through the pipes. And uh, this is a problem. And then he's going to tell Dumbledore about it, but Hermione's like, Harry. Hearing voices is never a good thing, even in the wizarding world. <laughs> okay, well, we know that he's hearing voices in his head. He needs help. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need you to make him feel worse. And then, even better, friend, even better. But uh, third movie, Harry overhears people discussing Sirius Black, and he finally learns that Sirius Black betrays his parents. And Hermione says this really hilarious thing. She's like, Harry. You would never go looking for Sirius Black, <laughs> would you? <laughs> and, and we just started. We started like adding these in, but there's really a lot there, so you gotta watch out for it. It's like there's, Harry, there's, there's nobody. One, nobody there's, blames you for your parents' death, Harry. <laughs> the best, the best, the best one. And this is this is this is actually the movie. You gotta watch it, friend. You gotta watch it, um, Harry. So there's this time turner thing at the end of the third movie, right? And so they go back in time, and uh, they circle back, and. They were at the lake, and Harry and Sirius were about to be taken over by Dementors, and then he's saved by this Patronus. And, um, and, right. uh, Harry's, Harry's yeah, Harry's, yeah, exactly. But Harry's talking to Hermione, he's like, Hermione, I think, uh, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but we were down at the lake, and I think, I think I saw my dad. And Hermione goes, I'm not making this up. She goes, Harry, your dad's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, Harry, Harry cuts her off and like, dead, I know. <laughs> but why would she do that? She's kind of a monster when you think about it. But, but we're not ragging on Emma Watson here. She was a young actress when yeah. she was doing this. Oh, not here's another one. Here's another one. With the Dementor. So the Dementor comes. And you know, Harry has a pretty horrible past, right? Like his parents were killed because of him. And, uh, and the Dementor comes. And Harry in his head again, he hears this voice screaming. And Harry's like, oh, they wake up. And Harry's like, did nobody else hear a woman scream? And Hermione goes, nobody else heard a woman scream, Harry. She's crushing, crushing him. And really, really doing a lot to make him feel like really alone. 
<laughs> no one blames you for for your parents being dead hairy. No, we joked about it. Like, like we started after we watched this, we started like making Hermione comments to each other, right? Like, like yeah. no one blames you for the death of your parents, Harry. You don't, you don't think that, do you? <laughs> it was just that if you hadn't existed, your parents would still be alive. So I guess on some level, it is your fault. Of course, it's not actually your fault, Harry. and you wouldn't do anything reckless about it, would you? <laughs> so, gotta wrap it. Gotta wrap it. Um, Great. Any book. closing thoughts? Red um, recommend definitely a book, definitely a book I will read to my kids. I was gonna say that too. I think it's a good book to read to your kids because that's like really the core of the book. It's just the magic of it and showing someone this new world. I feel like if you have a family, and um, if you have a family like of little children, I feel like this book is a great book to have in your house. Uh, this this series of books because like one Christmas we got a chest and inside the chest was like all the Harry Potters and it was like really a great thing to have. Do you, yeah, do you know what yeah. I'm talking you get about? Lots of so it's really it. nice to just have it and like like just be able to walk down and like get it as a little kid. So it's really nice. So if you've got little kids, would recommend. And yeah. Okay. Harry Potter is a good book for kids to read. I think that's a good takeaway for the audience. Something they didn't know before. <laughs> Um, and adults, <laughs> and adults. <laughs> no, but I think I think um, when you have kids, fostering the sense of like wonder, yeah, and sense of wonder, amazement at the world, right, is a cool thing to do. And I think you know, taking them and being like, you know, I don't know, like you, you. I think there's a certain age where talking about like dragons and magic and all these things is really cool and fun and. Like telling them that yeah, it's fake is literally any age. Controversial opinion, literally any age. Uh, I, 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 look, I, sorry, I don't mean to step on your your uh, line. I just, I, I'm like, why does like, why is it like, why do you, why do you have to grow up at some point and it's like no longer acceptable to be interested in that or to enjoy books about that? Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, anyway, what were you thinking? Yeah. Um. <sighs> Takeaway on this okay. book is readers, next time you read Harry Potter, which hopefully will be soon for you guys, rethink Snape. He's no, a really great guy. Rethink Snape? I think the real takeaway, Hogwarts is the opposite of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> chew, chew on that, listeners. It's it's no, I mean, it was, I was, was kind of joking, but you guys, you guys see what I meant. Um, but uh, no, no, all right, let's. No, look, of course, there's actually a lot to that. All right. Let's give it a let's give it a wrap and um, we'll uh, maybe 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 one day far in the future we'll we'll actually cover one of the individual books. But that day is not today. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the Brothers Up Bookcast. We hope you enjoyed it this week. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, follow us on social media, and we'll see you next time.